Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Swedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey everybody, this is Marnie Swedberg. Welcome to you today. I'm so excited that you're here. And we have such a wonderful guest with us today, Dr. Cherry Strange of CherryStrange.com. And that's C-H-E-R-I-S-T-R-A-N-G-E.com. We are going to be talking today about some motherhood training for you. Yay, coming right up on Mother's Day as we record this. More than a blur, making motherhood matter during this one hour. You are going to discover what your job is, what it's not, why no one meanders into great parenting and what we can do about that, why choosy moms choose to fight, how to value this season of your life on your way to the rest of your life, the five ways you can keep your sanity even when you can't keep yourself sanitized, how to add meaning to the mundane and parent beyond ordinary in three achievable steps, the secret to embracing motherhood without letting go of yourself, and also how to thrive in the midst of mom and ministry blurs, lessons from a tree stand. Our guest today, Dr. Cherry Strange, encourages women to live lives that stretch beyond ordinary in all that they do as a speaker, writer, blogger through Beyond Ordinary Ministries. She also serves as the Director of Women's Ministries at First Baptist Church in Belton, Texas. And Dr. Strange holds a PhD from Baylor University in Educational Psychology and two degrees from Hardin-Simons University. Cherry is the author of Life Principles for Living the Greatest Commandment, a Follow God Bible Study with AMG Publishers to be released early in 2015, and we're looking forward to having her maybe at our Bible Study Expo next year. And in addition to ministry responsibilities, Dr. Strange and her husband are raising eight children, two of whom are biological and six of whom are adopted internationally. Welcome to you, Cherry. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, and I'm so excited to have you here, have been familiar with your ministry for a long time through womenspeakers.com, and so excited to get to pick your brain a little bit today for myself, for the listeners, about how to do motherhood in a way that's maybe a little um, outside the box from what we're seeing around us in our culture. You are highly equipped to speak to this topic, not because of your degree so much, but because of your practical experience raising eight children, six of whom are adopted. First of all, I just have to ask you, um, what, whatever prompted you to adopt six children? Well, we didn't do it all at once. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I, was in, uh, when I was in college, I was a history major, and I went to this class and learned of the one-child policy in China, and it just mm. broke my heart. And um, mm. I was dating the, the person I ended up marrying at the time, and it's kind of a test, you know. And I came out and said, you know, uh, this problem exists, and I want to adopt a little girl from China one of these days uh, with whomever I marry. Just sort of see what he would say. But uh, 15 years later, we did. And then uh, when we were there uh, in China, we've got a, a normal, healthy newborn uh, she was just turning a year old, but uh, very delayed in her development. Um, but then when we were there, we saw other families from America, from all over the country, picking up children that were considered special needs. And sometimes their special need was that they were six, and no one really wanted an older child. And sometimes they had minor issues that, that were fixable, you know, in our country with the medical resources that we have. And we met a little girl named Allie that just just took our breath away. And so two years later, we found ourselves on a bus again, picking up a nine-year-old. And then uh, we knew we, we just had it in our heart we would do it one more time. Not that we had successes along the road, because it's a lot of work, and kids are a lot of work, and we didn't always know we were doing it the right way and thought, God, are you sure? Because we're, we're not exactly, we're in the trenches here. We're not exactly doing everything perfectly. Are you sure we're supposed to do this again? And and one thing led to another. We had to change countries. We couldn't go back to China for various reasons for us. And um, ended up we found this, uh, this sibling set of four. That was their special need was that there were four of them. And uh, just normal, healthy, beautiful. But their parents had died tragically that year. 
and uh, we're going to starve to death. And so they are from Ethiopia, and so we took them. So anyway, that's sort of how we came. We had uh, the two children, and then within six years, we adopted six kids. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wild. Wow. That is an amazing story and a big heart that just models or I guess just shows us the big heart of God, too, and so grateful that you did that. I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to share with us today, and I want to get right to that. Thank you so much for being here. Let's go ahead and start with, um, excuse me, with what a mom's job is and what it's not. All right. You know, when having the degree in education that I have and knowing that I think the statistic is if, if you were to release 10 new books every day for a year for the next 21 years on parenting, that's how many books we have. Um, but I, I really like to rely on things that are, are more uh, parenting advice and standards to follow that, that come from more empirical data than such some kind of anecdotal or one person has raised one child, you know, and has their personal experience. I really like outcomes-based um, data that says if, if a thousand people do this, <laughs> this is what you can expect. And so when we mm. sort of decided to start parenting, I really like to know there's some things I can count on. So um, if you look at the research uh, conducted using thousands of participants um, over long spans of time, they, they cite that the singleness of focus is to parent to raise godly children. If you look at those who are uh, striving to raise children in a godly home who want that outcome, that that is their primary focus. It's not to raise what we might see in society right now, excellent soccer players. Hmm. Uh, it is to raise godly children. And, you know, I think that it's very consistent with what we see in Scripture because um, when you think about God choosing Abraham in Genesis, it says um, in, in 18, uh, Genesis 18, for I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. So I think it's very consistent that God chooses us for the sole purpose that we will raise godly children. But the problem hmm. is our society doesn't focus on that at all. Do you know when, uh, when we brought our boys home, they were five, and someone talked us into starting soccer, and so we, we started them at five years old, and they were very concerned because we were three seasons behind. They weren't even sure they were going to be able to keep up. Uh, that's right. just crazy, just absolutely crazy. And so I, I just wonder, you know, how many people are out there who are like me who, who just – beat ourselves up, but I just I don't know if I can if I'm doing the right thing, and and we're just so hard on ourselves. And, and this verse is just very freeing to me that that God has chosen me to be the parent for the sole purpose of raising godly children. That's the standard, and that's the only goal. I don't have to worry about all the other things that I'm seeing around me. My goal is to raise godly children. Hmm. And also, that's uh, yeah. You know, the other thing, that's, that's the main priority, but we also have to sort of orchestrate this environment of nurturing and teaching and equipping them to lead. And so often we're just running them around, you know, here, there, and yonder, and, and we're not teaching them independence, and we're not leading them in how to become responsible uh, human beings to, to do things on their own. I think success, successful parents, uh, the, the research shows that they teach their children how to think independently. They strive to do that all the time they're growing up so that they can make choices on, on principles, you know, and perspectives that are mainstays. Uh, and too often we just squander the time. We just uh, let the schedule drive us, and we're not taking the time to really uh, teach them how to be independent. Sure, when I think thing. about that, yeah. When I think about that, I think about um, raising our kids and how I would say, I'm not raising children, I'm raising responsible adults. They're just children right now. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. But that's not what we see around us, right. unfortunately. Um, the other thing I think that would, would determine what our job is and what it's not, it is to model and to lead. Uh, one interesting thing that I found uh, was that 60% of the learning that takes place that actually affects people's behavior is based on watching someone they know and trust doing something significant. That modeling mm -hmm. is just so powerful, and we know that, but I think we just don't think about it. But that is where the majority of the learning takes place. So we want to model things 
that we want them to espouse. So I always think we've got to keep our eyes forward and uh, what do we want the outcome to be? What kind of person do we want them to become? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And and to be thinking ahead, not just thinking what you're doing right now, but what's the outcome. I, I love that. I think it was Mary Pride who, when my kids were little, she had um, put out a list of things that an adult person has to know how to do before they leave home at 18. You know, this is like, this is your goal. This list of things, as well as, of course, the main goal is to have Jesus Christ be the center of your life. But um, along with that, you need to know how to, you know, balance a checkbook and some things that they never That's teach it. in school that they just they just uh, assume that parents are going to teach them, and you got to you got to step up to the plate there. Um, you talk about that no one meanders into great parenting. And I so agree with you about that. It, it's it's rather intimidating. You bring this baby home and you've had no experience at this job. Nobody would ever in their right mind put you in this job if you were getting paid. <laughs> My God, yeah, exactly. This job with this brand new baby and says, here you go. <laughs> exactly. So what's, what's your advice for us? When, you know, we're starting out and, and don't know what we're doing at all. Well, it, the, the majority of people are not prepared to be effective parents, just like they're saying. They, they, they just are not prepared um, because we get the sense that we're doing a pretty good job and we're doing better than the other person in the room or the other person that we can see. And, and so the majority of parents um, are sort of feeling their way through parenting based on cultural norms and what we're seeing. And they really don't, uh, it's been proven that they don't really possess the self-confidence to invest in the process because it does take self-confidence to say, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it well, and I just found that very interesting. So uh, I propose this idea that you look at outcomes all the time. What does success look like to you? And, and something I found very interesting is that when you ask uh, young adults what are the most significant mistakes American parents um, have made, and at the top of the list, is that there was a lack of discipline. And so I think the first thing we've got to do is discipline by design. What's your plan? Is it what your parents did? Uh, is it something you found in a book? Is it what your friend's doing? The research shows it doesn't really matter what the plan is. You have to have a plan and stick with it. It's the consistency and what the child can depend upon uh, that makes the difference. It's, it's not what you do. It's just the articulated boundaries and the security is what adds to what the child needs. Hmm. Yeah. I remember when we when we were um our youngest son was just about two and a half and we went to a parenting seminar and they really taught us a loving way to discipline and it wasn't what we were doing. We were being very um harsh and very reactive uh -huh. in our discipline and they taught us how to be very loving and uh proactive um to to, like you said, have a plan to to not just do random and willy-nilly, but to actually have standards and have a plan for how you were going to respond. And it, it made a huge difference in how we felt about it. We felt really bad about it the other way. And doing it this way felt loving, even though it's always dis hard to discipline a, a child. What do you, you know, when when you have to discipline a child, where does your own mind go, Sherry? How do you, how do you think about that? You know, uh, what we've always done is uh, every child has a different personality. You know, we have one child, you just have to basically look at them and look disappointed, and they're done. <laughs> you know, you don't yep. have to do anything. We have one, we could have beat the living daylights out of her, and it wouldn't have made any difference. So, you know, mm -hmm. we just quit. We just, you know, tried something totally different. We have one that is adopted that uh, we thought she needed the harshness, like you're describing. We thought that's what she needed because she's got such a strong personality, but it didn't work. So we, we, we did the approach that you're talking about, that you kind of just totally transformed how you parented that child, and it made all the difference. She does not respond to the harshness. She responds hmm. to the loving. What you really have to do with that one is pull her in close. But I will tell you that the others in my family do not understand that. The other children don't always understand that we have to discipline differently within the same family. But what I, what I do know is that successful parents, what the research bears out, that's what they do. They understand that kids are different and their, their personalities, their temperaments, and what motivates them. Because really what you're trying to do is change the behavior, you know, and, and move them on to a better place 
That's where they can be more responsible. And, and whatever it takes to do that, we keep it on the table. So we'll try, we'll try different things, especially we brought the four home. The girls didn't need much discipline. The boys had never been laid a hand on. They had never been told no. Within the first 24 hours, one of them broke my finger. I mean, it was just a nightmare. They were uncontrollable. But they had never been disciplined. And so we found out, well, what did their culture mm-hmm. do? I mean, and they had, they had done some corporal punishment, and it was a male-dominated society, so they could care less what mom did. And so we started that way because they would understand that. Um, so they, we couldn't talk to them, so we had to do some things they would understand. So we tried that. But at this point, we've had them uh, for uh, over two years, and, oh, my goodness. They, I mean, one of them got a frowny face at school the other day. Uh, you thought his life was over. You know, I mean, they're good kids, but, but they just needed to be right. trained, and, and right. you have to find out what. I mean, I don't want to have to spank a kid, but I will if that's what is going to change the behavior right. until I can get them to the point where I don't have to do that, you know. So, Absolutely. anyway, that's kind of how we approach it. Yeah. Well, this is Marnie Swedberger visiting today with Dr. Cherry Strange. And uh, we're going to come right back and talk about why choosy moms choose to fight and how to value the season of your life when it's so intense and so busy. We'll be right back. Planning an event for women or maybe you would like to attend an event for women but you don't know where to find them. If you go over to womensevents.info, which is a subdomain again of .com, but it's called womensevents.info, you will find all of the major upcoming women's events, including Beth Moore, Women of Faith, all kinds of different events there. And you are welcome to add your own Christian women's event at that site. There's usually a per event cost or else a per month cost, and you can do unlimited per month or a year unlimited or a lifetime unlimited. Or if you just join the mentorship program at Marnie.com with the shop button at the top right of the Marnie.com page, you are going to get all of that <laughs> included. You can enter all of your events there. So check it out at womensevents.info. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. Our guest today, Dr. Cherry Strange, is helping us understand how to do mommyhood a little bit better more than a blur making motherhood matter. And uh, we were talking before the break about um, the individuality of children and how to how important it is to really... Um, take that into consideration when you're training them, when you're disciplining them. I, I always teach, Sherry, I always teach um, busy, B-U-S-Y, best unique strategies for you because I always say when God strung together your three billion base pair of DNA, he did it in a particular way. And of course, he did that with our children too. Um, they're, all, they're all completely different from each other and completely different from us, even if there are biological children. When we move now into this section about um, choosy moms choose to fight, um, what do you fight for? What don't you fight about, Sherry? Maybe start with what you don't fight about. Oh, okay. One of the th- we just don't even allow them to fight with one another. Uh, arguments and things like that, we, we try to, to teach them to, to respond uh, kindly to one another. Now, they're going to get upset with one another, but we just don't allow them to fight. We have to teach them from the very beginning, use your words. We don't use our hands. We don't use our fists. You can't kick a person. You know, that's, that's unacceptable. And just try to encourage them to work it out with their words and then uh, so that they're not always coming to mom to work out their problems. We, we start um, eventually to turn that responsibility uh, between them. We monitor it. And so we'll say, uh, you need to work that out between yourself. What would be the right thing to do? And so you kind of model for them and, and uh, give them some guidance until there's just not very many squabbles. We, we just took a trip eight days and we went to the Grand Canyon and uh, then to Carlsbad and not a single argument. No one hit anything. No one threw anything. I mean, it was just a wonderful family time. That took a lot of work to get to that point. So we just yeah. don't allow them to, to fight with one another. Uh, but there are some things that I think moms have to fight for, um, and 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 the reason is number one is we have to fight for the the spiritual tone with our family because we do have a real enemy and we have to be aware of that. We've got to pray uh, for our children and and be informed of what is coming in through technology and all different kinds of avenues. We've really got to be aware of what's out there. 
so that we can protect what God has entrusted us to protect. But I do think one of the major things that, that lends itself to that is that we've got to fight uh, against society's expectations. Because choosing mom sets a tone, and we're not driven by cultural norms. We're going to look different. And it comes. this battle comes on many fronts. Um, what language are we going to, going to accept within our home? What TV shows are we going to accept? What technology are we going to accept? Um, and, you know, there's, the, there's a verse in Psalm that says, I will walk blameless. I will walk in my house with blameless heart. And I just considered that. What am I going to allow? I'm the one that sets the tone. And what am I going to allow? And there, a couple of years ago, my oldest was becoming a tween, and so I want the kids to come to my house, and I will invite them. And uh, I volunteered to take them to the show, and then we were going to come back and spend the night at the house. And so uh, I drive this big uh, Sprinter van. It's a big people mover because we have a large family, and everybody hopped into the party bus, and we headed off to the movie, and I lost control. There was so much technology uh, coming into my vehicle with music I was not approving of and things that I would never have let in my house. And all of a sudden it was upon me, and I really didn't know what to do. What could I have done? What should I have done? So I'm thinking the whole time. We got back to the house, and I never really got control, but then I started making some decisions. What am I going to do? How am I going to get uh, this under my control in my own home? I think that is a real need. So we just set some parameters. We just said, okay, and I'll let the parents know. I love your child to be here. They're welcome to bring your technology, but at 9 o'clock it's mine. And you just you need to get a hold of them. Here's the number you can reach and those kind of things. And the kids have been very responsible, very respectful of it. Um, I actually think that these are now teenagers. They're 15, 15 years old, and I think they actually respect it because someone is watching out for them and making sure that there's nothing that's coming in that's harmful, um, nothing's going to happen that, that, that I'm not aware of. And I think it brings them some security. So I do think we have to fight against some of these uh, expectations that if I didn't step in, we, we would not have that uh, security coming into the lives of these kids. You know, Cherry, I just want to interject something here, too and take it back to what you said earlier about 60% of the effective learning happens when you're watching someone you know and love do something of significance. When you are making that stand in your home, you're actually modeling this amazing protective standard for yourself and for others. You're really teaching them how to set standards for themselves in the future. When everybody right. else is doing thus and such, you are allowed to have a standard that's different, and it's good for you to do that. I just, I just love, I just love that um, what we do speaks louder than what we could ever say, you know. And and by right. doing that, by doing that, you are truly expressing love, even though a lot of people would look at it as very, you know, uh, controlling or or maybe uh, stifling. Yeah. Cycling, but actually, actually, I, I agree with you that it's a gift of love. That's so cool. Your next, uh, your next point here is that you fight for your marriage. And I just have to tell you, we went to a seminar years ago, and the, the seminar director said, never fight in your marriage. He said, never fight in your marriage. He said, but fight for your marriage whenever you need right. to. And I really took that to heart. I, it, changed how I, it changed how I was willing to fight for my marriage, because I always thought I was fighting for my marriage, Cherry, but at times I was just fighting. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and no. now that we have eight kids, um, my husband um, sometimes feels sort of squished out of the picture. There's so much to do, and Mom is so busy. Plus, I, I work. I work at home. I have an office in the back. And, and so my time is so divided, and sometimes I think he just looks at me a little bit longingly like, please pay attention to me, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. And sure. so we just have put some parameters in place. Uh, we, uh, one of my assistants, I have two assistants, and one of them, she gets paid a few extra hours, which she doesn't work in the office for me, just so we can have the freedom to go on a date so that we've already paid for the hours and we've got to use them. And so on a regular basis, she just knows three of those hours are not going to be spent doing ministry. They're going to be, doing, they're going to be spent playing hide-and-seek or doing whatever right. she needs to do with the kids because it's important to fight and spend the time um, knowing your spouse is your greatest cheerleader and, uh, and you are the same for, for him. Mm, that's great. Yeah. 
And then uh, for your children, fighting for your kids. Yes. Uh, one of the things that we know is that children receive love when we do whatever it takes to accept them and to nurture them and protect them. Uh, in fact, I really had not seen this played out. I knew it th theoretically, but not not so clearly until we had adopted the four children. And uh, when we started them into public school, uh, one of the teachers was not so thrilled about having a child in their class who did not speak English. And mm -hmm. uh, within about three days, uh, three days that the teacher had sent home a few notes and uh, needed, to, needed to meet for a conference. The child was falling, falling uh, terribly behind. You know, I'm thinking, it's the third day of school. How far can she be behind? But I understood what she was saying because I am an educator and I've been in that environment. And uh, so I met with her, and uh, it did not go well. What she wanted to do was remove my child, not from her class, from the grade level. She wanted her to put, be put back in another grade simply because she didn't know English. But our state says that's against the law. That is illegal. And so I went to the principal and met with the principal and the superintendent because this is a legal matter and this is not a preference. And within two seconds of looking at the evidence, they said, would you like to move her just to another classroom with another uh, teacher who's trained to teach? And I said, that would be great. But my poor little girl, who can barely speak English, had seen the note come home from the teacher the first couple of days, and she just looked at me. She cannot speak English, and she looks at me with this helpless look. She's so shy, and she said, Mommy, I don't know. I don't know. She has no idea what's going on. She just knows she's a problem. And so I yeah. went in. Like, of course, I can't talk to her about it because she doesn't even speak English. But somehow after that event, so she just switched to teacher. No big deal. We never talked about it. Uh, we can't, you know, there's the language barrier. But somehow she understood that I was fighting for her, for her benefit, and that child who had not really gelled with our family yet, she's the one who was an outlier. She wasn't coming in. She wasn't coming close. Mm. That mm. experience overnight, that child was glued to me because mm. she knew I was taking up for her in a way that no one else could. And it just they just received love that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right in the middle of it, Cherry, when you're got the, all the whirlwind of all of these kids and, you know, meals and shopping and activities and responsibilities and, you know, the husband and the job and all this kind of stuff, how do you, how do you value the season while you're in it? You know, I once saw this, uh, this pie graph, and, and let's say it represented a uh, a normal lifespan, let's say it goes from 0 to 85, and the first span of 18 years, you know, is your growing up period. And then there's the second slice that captures the next 20 years, and that's your courting, marriage, and child-rearing years. And then there's like more than half the pie chart left. And it just spoke to me so loudly that, oh, my, I'm, I'm, I'm under this cloud thinking I am never going to get through these years successfully and then I could see I have my whole life ahead of me. So there, there's just so much more to my life than what it feels like in the moment, in the trenches, when you don't have time to go to the restroom, you know, and you, you don't know when the last time you took a shower was. So I think that was key, just visually to see there is so much more that statistically says will come after this period uh, stops. But I think the most, most important thing that helps me value uh, this season is that I can find my identity in Christ. Uh, Ephesians 1 just tells us all about what Christ has done for us and how he views us, that we're chosen, we're forgiven, we've been given every blessing there is in Christ. And that's where I should find my identity. And so often we work with these young moms uh, that are, are in our area, that their identity it seems to be more caught up in their Christmas cards. And and, uh -huh. and being, the, being the Pinterest mom and it's just not to be that way if our identity is in that what happens at the end of that stint when there's still half of our life left mm -hmm. so we really want yeah. to make sure that our identity is in christ because anywhere he takes us that's are still going to remain our identity that's who we are and that's who uh, created us and put us in this position and it's not uh it's not uh, dependent upon how great I deem myself as a mother. He, he's the one who gives me uh, my worth. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I, I just love, I love the uh, perspective, and it's hard when you're in it to have that perspective, but it's so true. The day comes and your children move out, and you are home alone as a couple again, uh, hopefully, and at that point you're going to be so grateful for all that effort that you put into the marriage early on in the years when it was so difficult to do. Um, and then, you know, when your kids grow up and they're responsible adults, instead of um, kids getting into trouble all the time, uh, what a gift that is to yourself as well as to them, as well as to God. I just I just love love where you're going here with this. We're going to take a break and come right back with five ways to keep your sanity. And uh, it's just so, it's so hard, Cherry, for gals when they're right in the middle of it to really get the big picture. I'm so grateful you're sharing this. We're going to come right back. As the web hostess of WomenSpeakers.com, which is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, connecting over 1,700 speakers with thousands of women's ministry leaders who come to the site to find speakers from upcoming events, it is my great joy and honor to welcome you if you are a Christian woman who is a speaker who is ready to go share a story or a message with different groups, you come on over and join over there. You can get a free listing, which is a text-only listing, or you can pay for a full-page profile. Of course, if you have the full page it's going to get more attention than if you have the texting but either way join us over at womenspeakers.com Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg. Our guest today is Dr. Cherry Strange. Her website, if you want to go check that out, is cherrystrange.com, C-H-E-R-I, and then strange, S-T-R-A-N-G-E.com. Cherry is here sharing with us more than a blur making motherhood matter. And we're going to talk next about five ways to keep your sanity, even when you can't even keep yourself sanitized. Cherry, Cherry you've had experience with this. Um, <laughs> eight children, you totally understand what it's like to sometimes just feel like you're going to lose it. Uh, so talk us through that. Well, the first thing that I think occurred was I did sort of lose it. You, you just can't pull it together. There's, you can't keep all the penguins on the iceberg. It's just it's more than you can do. <laughs> and even, with the, even with one or two children, I mean, kids are a lot of work, and you pour your whole uh, – energy and, and your whole self into it. So I, I completely understand. But the first thing I found to make the, the largest difference in my life is there was when I had a, two children that were young that I, I thought, you know, I don't think I've found a place in the scripture where it says, and Jesus stayed up half the night doing some project he wanted to do or watching a movie or trying to get the house clean and was too wasted the next morning to meet with God and he just tried to squeeze it in somewhere. And I just never saw that. So I thought about that. I thought, you know what, that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to squeeze it in, and it's not happening on a regular basis. I'm all in. I I need to make a change. And so um, I had a very light sleeper. She's still a light sleeper. But I just told the Lord, you know what, I see this. I read that you met with your father in the morning. I'm not a morning person. I can't use an alarm. So here's the deal. (laughs) If you want me to get up, you are going to have to get out of bed yourself so uh, without an alarm, but if you will get, if you wake me up, I will get out of bed. And I'm telling you, he is faithful. Not a single day after that did I have to have an alarm, and I would wake up before she would wake up. And just a few hmm. minutes. I'm not saying you're going to spend hours in the morning. You just don't have that much time. I understand that. Uh, I'm still there. But if I can just get up and have a few moments in prayer, and 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 maybe read the Bible just for a few minutes. It centers me, and, and everything else will fall into place. I know there's no more time in the day. I know you're exhausted. I hear you. I have eight. However, it centers me. So that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is we limit the schedule. We have eight children, and uh, we allow our children to do one thing outside of school. Uh, one of them actually is doing two currently, but it's an exception, and it's my choice, and I want her to do the two right now. But we have a couple of days during the week where we make sure that there are no activities. There's activities going on. There are opportunities to do the activities. We've just said no. We want everyone to be home. We don't even make them do homework on that day. It's Friday. Most of them don't have any homework. And we just, we just spend the afternoon free and home together. No one's going anywhere. 
So I think you want to limit the schedule. Uh, I do want to say uh, the second uh, most significant mistake that young people feel American parents have made is a lack of time spent with the kids. That's significant, and, and, and we want to make sure that the time is there. I think the average time is 15 minutes of individual time spent each day. But the parents who are deemed successful in uh, turning out children who love the Lord and who are serving him, those successful parents that we called them earlier, uh, they spend on average 90 to 120 minutes a day per child. That's amazing. Mm. That is a huge difference. So there is something about spending time with them. So you want to limit the schedule. But that, the third thing is organize the chaos. Because if you can imagine 10 people in my home, that is going to get pretty chaotic. So there are certain things that we've just determined that the kitchen area is an area that I really need to have clean. I need everything put away. I do not want dishes on the cabinet. I don't want anything out. That's just my personal uh, area that, that I think more clearly when that area is taken care of. And the other thing is that mealtime stresses me out. I'm concerned about how I can't just throw something together for a family of 10. I have to plan. And so that's, those are two things that we've just sat down and I've said, honey, these are the things that bother me. And as a family, how are we going to make this happen? And so we decided we'd do freezer meals. So we set aside a couple of days every few months and we put away food so that anybody can pull it out of the freezer and cook it. You know, instructions are on it, so that helps. And we just make sure that I maintain as much as I can that, that room. I, the rest of the house can just wait until the day that I want to do it. But on a daily basis, those two things really do help. So organizing the chaos is it's really a big deal. So if you can determine what is it that drives you crazy, what is it that you need to be have taken care of, just talk to your family about it and say, this one bothers me. The other thing we did was I went to Ikea and bought these shelves that have bins in them, and we can just dump all sorts of stuff in there, and it doesn't have, it doesn't have to be organized. You know, it can wait until we have time to do it. So this easy little thing we do, that we did, and, and in terms of the schoolwork, if you have multiple children in the home, I can get eight copies of the same piece of paper, uh, you know, all week long. And that just adds up, and then I have to, I have to work through it, and so I just created this mom notebook. It's called Super Mom Notebook. It sits in the same place in our <laughs> kitchen uh, because that's where if you have a permission slip or if you need to know, uh, if I need to come to the school to, to eat lunch with you or whatever, all of that information is going to be in there. And so those are just some things that we've tried to do to organize the chaos uh, in our home. And, and the other thing that's sort of related to that is you want to keep it simple. The temptation is so great right now. Because I'm a pretty creative person, and I would love to spend hours and hours on Pinterest and try to make, you know, exquisite heart-shaped pancakes and, with full of wheat garment and, and squeeze my own orange juice and things like that. You know, but it's not necessary. Keep it simple. If you want to uh, keep your sanity during this period, we want to overdo it, and don't worry about competing with the other people on your Facebook feed. You know, make your own decision. Keep it simple. Um, and then I think finally is you want to exercise hospitality because these are years that if you just you you just continue to do your daily day to day thing, it can you can be with people that feel so lonely, and and you want to make sure that that you don't get into a dark place where you don't feel supported and don't feel like you have very many friends and you're just all alone because you can be around people and feel very alone. And so one of the things that we did was we just began to invite people over because I kind of got to that point. I'm a writer and I'm writing a lot by myself and I'm, I'm just alone a lot. And we just found that one of the things that helped me uh, in the trenches of, of giving, giving, giving as a mom and an ministry uh, leader that uh, we just needed to invite people over. But I think our tendency is not to invite them because our, everything's not perfect. You mm -hmm. know, we can't, we don't have time to fix the four-course exquisite meal, and, and there's stuff out that we don't have time, so we just don't. So uh, it is just a joy to go to someone's house where their mail is on the corner of the bar just like mine, <laughs> all stacked up, 
and they're fixing some easy chicken spaghetti meal with the salad. Just, they're just dumping the salad out of the bag, and it's just refreshing. We're eating on mm-hmm. paper plates. I mean, you can just keep it simple, but at mm-hmm. the same time, exercise hospitality because we need each other, and we, we've got to hang on to relationships in the middle of everything God's called us to do. Yeah, I love that. I, I The keep it simple is so important. And I always say just, you know, you can't be a gourmet every day, but you can schedule a time to do that, to play, to really play. Right, and that's, that's what exactly it really means. right. Yeah, and you just need to separate these things out in your mind. You know, what is right. the thing that I do for Christmas and what's the thing that I do every day? <laughs> because, right, exactly. Uh, and, and I think that I think that the social media definitely, you know, they've done studies on this already, that it can make people feel intimidated um, because what do we post? Well, it's like what we save for our photo albums. We save the best picture. We don't save right. all pictures. We don't post the, you know, runny noses and all that kind of stuff. We post <laughs> the cute stuff, you know. So the reality is that it isn't always like that no matter who you're looking at and so just to you know kind of come back off of that you know picture perfect world it's not like that in anybody's home ever never it's not like that and then I loved um, when you talked about organizing your home you mentioned that for you the kitchen was the main area and you were able to communicate and and meals and you were able to communicate that and actually Cherry that's why when people have asked me about homeschooling because we homeschooled our kids my main um, advice to them was always choose a curriculum that you as the mom or the teacher really can relax into. So don't worry so much about your children's learning styles as much as you mm-hmm. have a curriculum that you can teach. So once you have the curriculum you can teach, you can adapt it to any learning style. But if you take a curriculum, for instance, when I was um, homeschooling my kids, I had to have a very clean curriculum. I couldn't have one of those curriculums that had clutter all over all the pages and, you know, and little scribbles here and there and arrows and all this kind of stuff. That would drive me crazy. I had to have very clean, because uh, that's how uh-huh. I am, just a you know, clean, straight line. But somebody else really did better with the other. So whatever it is that I'm going to say you, you're looking at your life and you go, um, you know, I have this weird idiosyncrasy about, you know, the kitchen or about the curriculum or something. Mm-hmm. And I just want you to know that's not, that's not a weird idiosyncrasy. That's how God made you. That you're exactly. supposed to be like that. That's how it's narrowing down for you what to choose, what to do, choose to do with your time, how to choose curriculums, how to choose these different things. So don't, don't um, rule it out and say it's because you are a, you know, insufficient person or whatever. Of course we all are, but the reason God made you that way is because it helps us narrow down what we're supposed to use our time and talents to do, to invest in. Well, this is Marnie Swedberg. We're visiting today with Dr. Cherry Strange. We're going to come back for one last section on how to add meaning to the mundane, uh, the secret to embracing motherhood without letting go of yourself, and how to thrive in the midst of the hubbub. We'll be right back. Let's talk boot camps. I offer the boot camps live at one point during the year, and then after that, between times, members are able to access the archive of the webinar as well as the notes, and usually it's like a mini workbook that goes with these. They're usually about two hours long. They range everything from the summer planning boot camp, which is going to help you to get the most out of your summer to really plan ahead so that you can enjoy your summer to the max, to the hassle-free holiday boot camp, which helps you to plan in October or November how to get the most out of your holidays. A lot of times you get so overwhelmed with everything there is to do that you miss the fun of it. So that's the holiday boot camp. There's a life balance boot camp. We've got event planning boot camps, all kinds of stuff going on. You can purchase the tickets to these separately or if you're a member of Marnie.com, you always get in free to anything that I offer through Marnie.com. It's an online boot camp. So you can check that out by clicking the shop button at the top right of any page at Marnie.com. Welcome back, and for all you moms, happy Mother's Day. We're recording this the week of Mother's Day, and our guest today, Dr. Terry Strange, is here to help us understand how to make motherhood matter more than a blur. Thanks so much for being here, Terry, today. It was my pleasure. Great. We're going to go into our last segment here. And by the way, if you guys want to go over and check out Cherry's um, webpage, it's C-H-E-R-I, and then the word strange is her last name, S-T-A-R-N-G, and with an E at the end. NGE.com. Okay, and Cherry, how do we add meaning to the mundane and parent beyond ordinary? Well, I think the first thing we do, and I, I, I just titled this, Welcome to Tooth Fairy. And, and what I'm thinking about this is just have fun. There is a lot of fun to be had with kids, 
they are in, invigorating and they're always wanting to do something. And so, you know, if you can't, if, if you are waiting for an event, don't wait for an event because children remember events and holidays and things like that. And so you just make some up. <laughs> we, uh, we've thrown a birthday party for a stuffed animal and a, and a baby doll. We, we had a pinata. We invited <laughs> friends, and they even brought presents. I mean, we just had a good time. But we like to have fun at our house because um, it's memorable. And they'll say, do you remember the time we... And, and that's where memories are made. I want them to leave home crying their eyes out that they're having to go. <laughs> I want it to be a fun place. And so we just finished spring break, you know, it was in March, and we just finished a theme. We always have a theme. And our theme this year was, ooh, that's really big. And I just got online and looked at all the big stuff, like the biggest uh, soda bottle or anything that was going to be in the area where we were going to be travel, traveling, and we just went to it and took a picture, and it's just, it's crazy fun, and my teenagers are like, you know, Mom, that's so uncool, but they love it. They would not admit it, but they love it. It just makes memories. We, we have this uh, one thing in the summer called blackout, and I give everybody a can of shaving cream, and we turn all the lights out. We start about 930. We have a big yard in the front, about an acre, and we just go to town on each other. There are no rules. <laughs> this is just shaving cream, and you can just squirt it all over anybody. And, and it's just loads of fun. We do backwards day and crazy hair day and all kinds of things. Just, just any way you can have a good time with your family uh, is, is up for grabs. Don't miss it. And it just takes out the mundane. You know, it gives them something to look forward to, and it's just, it just gives you a time to be with them in a way that they love. They love it when mom dresses up or, or does something crazy like that. It's a lot of fun. Um, another thing... I just have to interject here. <laughs> For those of you who are listening who are like me and are like, um, I can't really envision myself ever doing those things. Just do it the way that you do it. <laughs> have fun the way you have fun. And once again, oh, yeah. you know, everybody's so unique. And, Cherry, I just can't even imagine doing all those things that you've just talked about um, like with my kids, that that wasn't how we had fun, but we just had fun the way we had fun, and a lot of it was with friends over and, you know, games and, and in different ways. We did skits and, you know, different things like that. So, however, when you're listening to all of this stuff, whatever you hear out of our mouths or out of anybody's mouth, what you want to always do is say, how can I make that apply to me? And, Sherry, I love your point that you just – you're just encouraging us to find the fun, find the fun every day, find it somewhere, find it every week. <laughs> right, right, whatever it is that you think is fun. We think this is fun, so that's what we do. Um, another thing yep. that takes out the money is, is, it's very important, is make non-negotiables non-negotiable. Uh, successful parents share this quality. Uh, if you've presented it as a non-negotiable, it needs to remain a non-negotiable. They may not think you're cool at the time, but what, what we know is that those, those young adults come back and say, that was a significant part of my life, and it made a difference. So we really want to make non-negotiables non-negotiable. And the other thing I think we've got to do is just pay attention to the noise, because there's a lot that's happening in our families and, and things that might sound like dribble, and especially during the middle school years. And we just decided that if I want my daughters to talk to me when they're 17 and tell me everything, then I need to listen to all of that lunchroom garbly goop when they're 12 and 13. And they need to know that I'm listening, and they need to sense that I really do want to be involved in that. And uh, it just makes a difference. So you want to pay attention to all the things that are going on. It sounds like noise but they're not. They're building relationships with their caregivers and the ones who are entrusted to them, to love them. Absolutely. Love that. Such great advice. So what's the secret to embracing motherhood without letting go of yourself? Well, I think it's very simple. It's just to know and to believe and rely on the Word of God because it assures me of who I am in Christ, so I'm free to, to do what society deems is not valuable or to do whatever God calls me to do. It affirms excellence in motherhood because God never calls a, a single believer to the, the mediocrity. Never. That is not his mission for us. We are always called to excellence and to serve him with all and to love him with all. 
And so I don't see why mothering would be any different. Plus, we have the Proverbs 31 women for an example. Uh, but it also confirms the calling in my life for concurrent roles, uh, which is sort of what uh, the last point is about, about the Christmas tree stand. Yeah, well, you need to go ahead and share that now. Right, there, a few years ago, um, I was sort of at that, that point where I was kind of unhappy with the calling and all the responsibilities that came with, with I was having to work and go to school and uh, have small children at home, and there was just a lot to do. It's very, very foggy and, and, and uh, just a lot of pressure. And I, I know that, that everyone has that same sense. It's just a lot of pressure. And I, my problem was I'm, I'm like you. I like clean lines, and I like to do one thing. I like to do it very well, and then I like to move on. But that wasn't really happening. <laughs> I was uh-huh. having to do a lot of things at the same time, and I just felt like it wasn't fair. I had helped my husband go through school, and he was able to do one thing at a time and move on. But, but now that is not what I'm I'm having to do all these things at the same time. So I found myself at my mother-in-law's house. She was working. And for whatever reason, I decided to go over, and while my children were taking a nap there, I was going to put her Christmas tree up. So I got the box out, and I got the stand out, and, you know, there's a there's a base, and then there's about four uh, little – little uh, stems that go into the base, and then there's a top, and it all has to fit together and be screwed uh, screwed tight. And so I tried. I've done this before. Um, I've done it by myself, I thought, but I just couldn't get it together. And it was one of those moments where it was just the last straw, and I just had a crying fit. Nothing was working, <laughs> and everything was just sort of not yeah. going well. And so I just had that moment, and I just recouped. I took a, breath, a breather and thought, okay. Let's start again. So I started again, and this time I took a different approach, and I would put the base, and I would put one of the pegs through the base and set it there and put the top on, and then I would screw it just a hair. And I just sort of worked my way around it, and I had to keep circling and keep circling. And I just felt like, you know, when the Holy Spirit just sort of speaks into your life something that, that you needed to hear, and I just felt like the Lord was saying, this is your problem. <laughs> I am designing your life. I know it's frustrating. I know it's not the way you think you are made, but this is the way I've made your life. There are many doors open. There are many pegs going into different places at the same time, and I need you to know it's purposeful, and uh-huh. it, is, it is my will for your life, and it, it's, you're going to be successful at it. I know you don't feel like it because you like it done a different way that this is my plan for you. And I just think that, that there are so many women out there serving the Lord in ministry who are also mothering and have all these other responsibilities. They're just like me. We want to do it, it with excellence. We want to do it all with excellence. And sometimes it's frustrating that we're, we're given so much responsibility, it feels impossible to do that. And I think this, this, this perception that we have to do one thing at a time only in order for it to be uh, what honoring to God is just not true for all of us. And that for me, uh, God has insisted that I keep several things happening at the same time. And he promises to be faithful, and my job is to make sure nothing extra gets thrown on that stand. Because if it's not God-ordained, then it's going to mess up the whole process. It's not going to be able to carry the weight of that tree it's going to be extra. And so my job is to make sure nothing gets in that he hasn't ordained in my life in that season. But other than that, I can rest that, that he is going to make uh, my role as a mother, my role as a minister, uh, my role as an author, a speaker, come together to, to create something that couldn't be done individually. It's all got to work uh-huh. together. And I just think that's a powerful message. For, for other people who are in the same situation, uh, but God is not haphazard. He is he's intentional with us, and he has this exactly planned, um, exactly the way he wants it. Absolutely. I have a saying that I repeat a lot, that is, there is absolutely time to do everything God wants us to do. There's not time to do everything. There's not time to do everything good. There's not time to do everything everybody else wants me to do. There's not even time right. to do everything I might want to do, but if God is God then there absolutely is time to do everything he wants me to do. And I love that because we can start feeling 
Like there just isn't. It's not going to work. And as soon as we give in to that, then that's when we start adding things in that don't belong in there, and then we prove it true. But it's really not God's fault. We have to really ask him, you know, is this what I'm supposed to say yes to? Is this what I'm supposed to say no to? Do you have kind of a... A uh, way to think about saying yes and no. Do you have Do you have a way that you think that through when you're being asked to do things? Yeah, we sort of have a rule at our house: stick with whatever God told you until He tells you something different. And so, <laughs> you know, if, as I'm trying to make a decision about what I should do, I'm not going to rely on somebody just that I trust. I'm not just going to rely on the opportunity because opportunities come my way, and I I don't always take them because it's not good for it's not good, like you said, to do every good opportunity. And we just have to discern. So if it lines up with what God has told me to do from Scripture and he's confirmed it in some other ways, then I'm more likely to say yes, but always, always I will come to him and say, this has been brought to me. You know, it, it, does it line up with what you ha- will have for me in this season? And then he, he speaks through the word. And so uh, that's generally how we do it. And, you know, sometimes God will make a change. And so we'll say, here came this opportunity, and then we'll go to the Lord. We might even do some fasting and praying over it. Like if you were deciding whether or not to adopt four kids at once, we're probably going to do some (laughs) fasting and praying over that (laughs) just to make sure that we're hearing appropriately. And so that's kind of what we do, that we just stick with God's plan that he told you to begin with until he tells you something new. I loved your story earlier about when you – told God that if he, you, if he wanted you to get up in the morning and have devotions, he'd have to wake you up. I had a similar situation happen to me um, in 1997. I'd been asked to take on an additional ministry, and my platter was already completely full, but it would not go away. It was absolutely God asking me to do it. And I said, well, then the only, the only way I know how to do that is if I just quit looking at the clock altogether and you're just going to have to do it. And starting in 1997, and even to this day, I don't wear a watch, and I don't use an alarm clock, and God just God just orchestrates the life. And it's amazing um, how much a person can get done when we are not considering that we're doing it ourselves, but instead that we're doing everything that God asked us to do and that he's equipping us. And I believe that's why you're able to raise eight children, because that's what God asked you to do, and he's equipping you to do that. And for those of you listening, I think that's why you can trust that you can be the perfect parent for your children, not that you'll ever do it perfectly, but that you are the one God chose for you. Sherry, in about 60 seconds, do you have a final thought for us? Do you have a final thought for us? Well, I would say that you want to make sure that you're aiming long and not short. You know, if you're raising children, you want to aim for what do you want them to look like and uh, what kind of person do you want to be around when they're 15 and not just when they're, when they're uh, small and cute and what they said was funny. You want to aim long uh, because that's the person that you're trying to develop. Yeah. Great advice. Well, thank you so much for being here. This hour has flown by. So grateful that you could come and join us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. You bet. And you guys, you can check out um, Cherry's uh, website at cherrystrange.com. That's C-H-E-R-I-S-T-R-A-N-G-E.com. And uh, she's also over at womenspeakers.com. Thank you for being here. I hope you guys have a wonderful week, a wonderful Mother's Day. Uh, this, this recording will also be in the archives uh, for those of you who missed it live. So you can check it out there over at marnie.com. And I hope that you have a terrific day. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. The number one question I hear is, how do you get so much done? And the follow-up question is, would you teach me how to do that? Whatever it is that the topic is we're talking about. I've written 12 books, and they are all in the mentorship program. You can purchase them from Amazon. You can purchase them inside Marnie.com in e-version, or you can join the mentorship program and get access to all 12 at once. They range from kitchen shortcuts, which is going to help you to serve great-tasting meals in the minutes you have while saving money while you're at it, all the way to feeling loved, how to connect with God in the minutes you have. There's one for discouraged dieters. There's a book of scavenger hunt. A retreat planning guide. There's one called eBook. It's how I took an idea from idea to published book on Amazon in 14 days and how you can do that too. It's all under the writing tab at Marnie.com or you can go up to the shop button on the top right of any page and you'll be able to get at it all in the mentorship program. Check it out today at Marnie.com.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.